Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. What an episode we have today. Got so many things to talk about. We're going to recap a Richmond race where we continued to make some money, and we're going to talk about everything coming out of that race. Then we've got the Bristol night race. It's a cutoff playoff race. So many picks to talk about here. The sports books are bringing their A game, so we are going to try to match them with our own A game and try to pick winners and top tens, finishing positions, the whole nine yards, head to heads, everything we usually do. So, Bristol is the main course for this episode, the night race, one of the best races of the year. Then at the end, Phil's fired up. We've got just a hodgepodge of things to talk about. We're going to talk about little bit of truck series action going off on Thursday night and the schedule release, maybe some championship picks to discuss, so many different things. That's why we want to get right to it. So if you're joining us for the first time, you're picking a perfect race to come aboard for because there's just so many things to get into. So let's just get to it. We'll recap Richmond here and I will start by saying that I think Richmond, that race last Saturday night, is a perfect example of why betting on NASCAR is just phenomenal. Let me explain to you why. Because middle of that race, I was texting our our buddy Nick, who has been on the podcast before. He did the full tank face-off with us. I texted him. I said, this is exciting. This is awesome. I'm loving every second of this. And he said, yeah, I'm kind of on a lot of the similar bets that you're on, and this is a blast. Then I listened to the Jeff Gluck podcast and looked at his poll, the is it a good race poll? And apparently people thought that that race was terrible. So all the more reason why if you bet on the race, it makes it way more fun because I didn't even pick up on the fact that the race sucked because I had money on so many different things and it kept it interesting for me. So you got to make sure you're getting your bets in, especially at racetracks like that. But it definitely seems as if Richmond is just a complete snooze fest from without race or without betting on it. You know, the, the good point that he made on his podcast was uh, that the fact that they're billing it as a short track, but it's not a short track. Races as in like an intermediate track. And yeah, I could say like getting swindled like that is definitely frustrating. So definitely things to look at if you're Richmond, how do you make the racing there better? But my response, bet on it. Because we bet on Truex, and he got it done for us. Another Moneyline winner for the podcast. Feeling really good. Gambling gods may have been at play there for us. Talked about how the die cast at Target pointed us to Truex a little bit, and he came through for us. We're going to talk more about that as we talk about winners. But JGR, as predicted, right? We said this last week. JGR is the pick. It was all JGR. Hamlin. Kyle Busch, Truex. Kyle had a mistake, knocked him out. Kind of a shame for the 18 fans because he was definitely a force. Chase made a mistake on their 
pit stop there. Um, another mistake for the nine car. They're not going to be able to keep getting away with that, but they were able to rebound all the way back up to fourth after going a lap down, you know, battling to get back on that lead lap. Chase was up there early in the race. It was a shame that we didn't get to see that play out because he finished behind three JGR cars. It would have been nice to see how he stacked up against them normally. But uh, in any case, he made a mistake and, you know, kind of paid for it there. Overall, though, the race was fantastic. How about 9-11? Uh, they did a great job with the pregame stuff. I was so fired up, patriotic on Saturday. I had bets going in across sports, but I threw a, a parlay in for the Xfinity race and the Cup race, the 9 and the 11 to win in their respective head-to-head matchups. Well, wouldn't you know it, the Xfinity race had Gregson and Haley 1-2, 9-11. Creepy. Made me even more excited to see if the parlay could finish it off. And Truex finishing one and Hamlin two. They were facing off in the head-to-head. Hamlin just missed by a spot uh, that would have captured that 9-11 parlay. But in any case, the NASCAR community, the team there, they did a phenomenal job with everything, you know, respecting that date and that terrible anniversary. So hats off to them. Then getting into another one of the inspections, the failed inspections, we had Derek reach out, let us know that Larson failed twice. So there wasn't really a good bet to put in on him for because, you know, top 10 was a little too pricey, threw in a group bet for it. Larson to beat three other guys. He was like plus 220 to do that, and he just missed. I mean, just because, though, that bet misses doesn't mean that we want to get off of that trend because there was another guy later in the day who failed inspection a couple times, and it was Cole Custer. I threw in a Cole Custer top 20, and that hit. So it's still worth keeping your eyes peeled. Derek does a great job of it. Uh, Follow him at Picks by Blaze because he's all over that. And uh, definitely worth considering. Then we hit on the Logano top five bet. Called him out to win the race, but plus 100 for top five. Definitely worth it. We went two and one in the head-to-head section. So all in all, a great betting day, great betting night for the Richmond race. That's why if you're gambling on it, makes it a lot more fun than just sitting around watching a, a short track be an intermediate track. So Richmond I was happy that we went to you, and we will see you next year. So now we go ahead to one of a debatable, I guess, but I would call it a crown jewel race, the Bristol Night Race. Bristol has so many things to talk about here before we even get to the picks because, you know, there's just so many moving parts when it comes to this racetrack. But first, to set the stage here, let's get into the track stats. We'll kind of just take our time, dip our toe into the water here and and work through it. So just like normal, we'll go through these 120 races, lifetime at Bristol for the Cup Series. The winner has started on the pole 27 times. Last time it happened was Brad Keselowski last year in 2020. Winner has started in the top five, 58% of the time and started within the top 10, 78% of the time. Now, Winners starting outside the top 20. If you're going to throw bets on these guys, you want to keep this in mind. It's only happened six times in the history of the racetrack, and the last time it happened was Kevin Harvick in 2016, where he started 24th. So definitely want to be weary of that if you are going to bet on somebody outside the top 20. For Moneyline bets, I will not be doing that this week, so I'm heeding that advice. 
Now, in terms of manufacturer trends, this has been a Ford or Toyota mix over the last few races here. Ford has two straight. But the real strange thing to call out here is Chevy. They've been completely absent. There is not a current active Chevy driver who has won a race at Bristol. All right, so if you look back, the last guy to do it was Jimmy Johnson. Before that, it was Kevin Harvick driving for Chevy. Then, just to give you a sense of how little Chevy has won here at Bristol, the, the other two names are Jimmy Johnson again. So it's Johnson, Harvick, Johnson. And then after that, Casey Kane and Jeff Burton are the, those are the last five guys, five Chevy drivers to win at Bristol. I mean, that is just staggering. Right? I'm a huge KCK fan. I remember when that happened. That was a while ago in the spring race. So um, that is just crazy to think about. Now, we will be calling out one Chevy. I think we got one of, of each uh, manufacturer in our Moneyline picks, kind of on purpose here. And, and we've got a Chevy teed up. So those track stats, I think, are, are pretty interesting. Um, but now let's talk about this year. Right, because we skipped out on Bristol because they made it a dirt race for the spring race. And as we get to later on, when we talk about the schedule, it's coming back again next year. So only one real race at Bristol this year. And they had to clean off that racetrack. They have completely power dried or power cleaned it to the point where it makes you wonder, you know, what's the grip level like on this track? I mean, they're going to be going into it completely, no, no practice, none of that stuff. And, you know, they are going to be adding some resin down from what I heard from Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic. And so without any practice coming off of a completely, basically brand new race track surface, how are these guys going to be able to handle those first laps are going to be very interesting to watch. You got to hope that you're hanging on for dear life and you're able to survive any sort of craziness that goes down in that first little bit there. So um, keep your eyes peeled at the start of that race. Now, the truck drivers, I think they've got it the worst because, you know, cup drivers are going to be able to watch the first two races, Thursday night, Friday night, and kind of bring in some data there. Those truck guys, when they wave that green flag, my God, it's going to be like hell breaking loose. But um, we'll have to see how it goes. Now, something that we're going to call out during this podcast, you know, when we talk about numbers, I like to talk about average finish, talking about the last 10 races there. Driver rating, I'm comparing, you know, certain lengths of time. So last six years, because there was an all-star race here, it kind of throws things out of whack. So we're going off of a maximum of 14 races, depending on who the driver is. So it's the, the span of six years when I'm calling out driver rating. And if I zoom in on a more recent time frame for driver rating, I will make sure I call that out. It's usually around the span of five races in the last two years. So just want to make it clear on that. And something else that I want to put out there is this is the night race. And as we talked about with Daytona, I like to focus on the stats specifically at night because that's where the stars really come out to shine. So I'm going to be calling out guys who have performed average finish better at night over the last 10 races. So something to consider there as we will call out. And then another thought here is that as you're going through this data, you're seeing numbers that are really almost in line with Daytona as far as the average finish is concerned, right? Richmond, we were looking at numbers last week where people's average finish, you know, the, the definitely better end of the spectrum is like 3.5, 4.6. Bristol 
has the true ability to be chaos. I mean, you know, last great Coliseum, that's a fact because these guys sometimes get out of control. A lot of wild stuff happening. The average finish numbers are definitely much higher than, you know, you typically think about, especially looking at these last few races that were, you know, sort of short track season. So um, the takeaway is this is a tough overall track with some high average finishes. And so even the best guys out there are running into problems over the course of the last 10 races. In, in the last 10 races, I can tell you for a fact, there isn't one driver starting on Saturday night that has finished in the top 20 10 straight times, right? Last week, we talked about how Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch or one of those guys had 10 straight top 10 finishes at Richmond. No, there's not a single driver with 10 straight top 20s at Bristol because it's just craziness. So just like Daytona, in a way, you're going to have to avoid the wrecks. Maybe not the big ones, but you're going to have to avoid getting bunched up. Somebody else's mistake could take you out. So there's a, a recipe for, you know, craziness here with all that track situation, with some regular craziness that goes down. It, it could be a, a wild one to bet on. That is for sure. So you're going to have to have a little luck on your side. So with all that being said, let's now look ahead and pick some winners on the money line for Bristol it's going to be a little difficult, but we're going to give it a shot. And we're going to start with somebody that I think the gambling gods are talking to me about. It's Chase Elliott plus 800. That's right. Now, last week I talked about how going into Target, I saw just one die cast on the shelves. I'm kind of a nerd. I like to give it a look, see if they have anything. And for the longest time, they haven't had any die cast available. It's been completely bare. Well, Martin Truex, he was the only one in the middle shelf, called him out. Thought it was like something shining down from heaven, right? Here it is. This is the pick, Phil. Well, I went to Target again this week, and it gets a little more complicated, but not really. Because on the three shelves, on each shelf, there was a Chase Elliott die cast, the front. So it was just Chase, Chase, Chase. So it was almost like trying to be hit over the head. Hey, you got to go with the nine car. He's going off at plus 800. He's plus 100 to finish in the top five. I'll be betting on both of those this week. Now, there was one guy on the die cast shelf right behind Chase. Um, so there was two guys on the shelves total. We'll talk about that guy later. I'm not calling him out to win the race because, hell, he wasn't on all three shelves out in front. It was Chase. But, you know, if you're someone who says gambling gods are not real, a, look yourself in the mirror, pal. I mean, they are real. And B, let's talk about real stats because his stats are very strong. He's got good numbers here. Now, zero wins in his career, three top fives, five top tens. His average finish is 12.1. That's good enough for fourth. Kind of go what I was saying earlier. High average finish, but that's fourth on the circuit. His driver rating is a fun stat because in his last 14 races here, that full six-year span, he's third compared to everyone, 102.3. And zeroing in on the last two years here, he jumps up to 114.4. That's good enough for first. So most recently, Chase Elliott has the best driver rating at Bristol. He finished seventh here last year. And I think we remember what happened there. He was battling with Joey Logano and they got into it. He was a real factor to win the race. And you know, that contact pushed them back. They both basically took themselves out. I think a lot of people were more argue, or more mad at Chase. Any any unbiased fans were more mad at Chase there. But um, in any case, he finished seventh. But he had a real 
fast car that could have won that race. Now, looking at just night race stats, his average finish is actually third, 9.6. So that improves. He's one of three guys within the top 10 of average finish that actually improve their average finish at night. So there's something to be said there. And then Bristol is another 750 racetrack. So we're going to be calling out those stats as well. Green flag speeds. He's fifth. So this is a perfect sweet spot, in my opinion, when we're looking at the odds. Plus 800 is just so great. He kind of needs a win right now because he only has road course wins this year this would really set the tone he's been strong over the last couple weeks it's really time for them to take the bull by the horns and and say you know we're about a championship we're here for it and uh if you think that that's too long of a shot plus 100 top five is a a nice insurance policy there for you um really good I, i think chase is really good shot at finishing top five as well if you don't think you can get it done for the win so chase elliott that nine car They have a real shot this week to win the race. Moving on to the next guy, he'll be our Toyota pick, and it's just somebody that I can't give up on right now. It's Denny Hamlin. JGR is just killing it right now, and Denny Hamlin is leading them. Even though Truex won last week, it was Hamlin who was really up front for most of that race. I mean, they they switched off. You know, they traded spots, Kyle and him. Even Chase had a, a chance to run up front there, but... Hamlin, plus 600 this week, he makes a lot of sense. I actually am so on board with Denny Hamlin just because of his speed on these 750 tracks and the way the playoffs shape up. I I put in a a small bet on him to win the championship plus 400, even though those odds aren't great. I, I put in a championship pick for him. I've got a couple other bets out there on championship guys, but I hadn't had one on Hamlin. I feel like he's going to rip off a few more wins here, and that number's going to go down. So that's why I did that. Just a side note here. But going back to this week at Bristol in his last 10 races, one win, four top fives, five top tens. His average finish is third on the circuit, 10.8. Driver rating is six, 92.9. But at night, He's got some pretty strong numbers in the last 10 night races. Two wins, five top fives, six top tens. Average finish at night, 12.1, which is fourth. So he comes out to play at night. These are the guys we want. We want those superstars, the guys who can perform and get it done. So I cannot resist betting on Hamlin. You know, if you've listened to the podcast the last few weeks, you're probably saying, Phil, man, I'm looking for other guys. But uh, I've, I've got a, a off-the-beaten-path guy coming right behind him. But I can't give up Denny Hamlin. He's just too good right now. I said to start the playoffs, I am not shocked if he goes out and wins three in a row here. And I really think he could get it done this week as well. I mean, solid value. He finished second last week. You know, he, he has momentum. He's relentless. He really is. And he's after those bonus points. So just mark me down here. He's controlling the playoff picture, in my opinion. Right? Larson's been the guy all year. Hamlin's the guy controlling the playoffs so far. Even though Truex had the win, Hamlin was up there kind of dictating the pace. So um, plus 600, I, I think that is really good value here for someone who's the best and quickest car on these package racetracks. So lock it in on the 11 car. Now, if you're looking for somebody a little bit different, right? Because I could go with the Kyle Bushes. I could go with some of these other guys. But I'm going to take a little bit more of a stretch here. And go for a long shot because I know some people out there, you know, they'll message me and say, give me give me a long shot, man. I, I don't want these uh, the chalky type guys, and that's fine. You know, typically I like to pick guys that I absolutely think have a chance to win. Well, 
I think this is a, a best of both worlds scenario. Plus 1,500 right now on DraftKings, which I'm pretty sure you can get some of these guys better value on other sites, but I like uh, DraftKings as my like foundation to go off of for the podcast. Kurt Busch at plus 1,500. Plus 200 to finish in the top five. This is clearly a super value pick. A little bit more fun because you make a lot more money here. And we'll get to some of those other guys later in the podcast. But I, you know, could be looking at this and I could understand if someone says, this is a bit of a stretch here. But really, the numbers may surprise you. And you might be on board with me with the one car in Kurt here. In his last 10 races, he has one win, four top fives, six top tens. His average finish, 12.7, is fifth compared to everything. Finished 15th last fall. But before that, he had a stretch of 7th place, ninth place, 2nd, and 1st. He is a contender. There's no getting around it. And so driver rating being ninth out of everyone on the circuit, 85.6. This is something that you know I could really see happening. His win in the last 10 races came at night in 2018. So this is somebody who could steal a race. He did it last year. In, in the round of 12, I believe it was, he has the potential. He's not a write-off, especially at Bristol. Both him and Kyle, the Bush brothers, do so well at Bristol. So why not Kurt? Why not now? His green flag speed on 750 tracks has been improving. He was the first fastest and second fastest over the last two weeks. That's crazy. I mean, those are the playoffs. Those are Big-time races, and he's making adjustments. The team is making adjustments. Even though they haven't been as great on previous 750 tracks, they're stepping up to the plate when it matters most. So, like I said, super value, playoff driver. He's kind of down near the cut line. I think he actually might be plus zero uh, tied for that last spot, but he's just so good here. I'm confident in him making his way in, and I think he's going to do it with a victory. So, Feels like he usually wins one around playoff time. Why not this one? And if you hate that, top five plus 200 is definitely some hefty value there because he's finished in the top five twice in the last five years. So lock me in in some way, shape, or form on Kurt Busch. Give him a look. Even if you're a little skeptical, give it a little extra look yourself because I think what you find in the stats might surprise you. Plus 1,500. So to wrap up, picks to win the race, Chase Elliott plus 800. Denny Hamlin plus 600 and the super pick Kurt Busch plus 1500. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Next up, we're in the finishing position segment, but there's a little bit more this week. We got some more fun stuff to talk about as DraftKings has kind of added to their options here for different bets. So they've got pre-made parlays and different team props that we're going to call out and talk about here in this segment. So we used to talk about props in uh, this area of the episodes, and we're going to get right back to it. But first, we've got some finishing position picks that I kind of like because we've got some value here. All right. We're, we're not trying to chase the, the easy pickings here. We're trying to find, dig deep, and get some value out of our picks in this segment. So we're going to start in the top 10. Now, I did call out a couple top fives a little bit ago, Kurt Busch and Chase Elliott. Uh, but top 10, I got one pick for you, and it's Christopher Bell. He's the first driver that you can get that is plus money. He's going off at plus 100. So kind of hear me out here with all of these guys, but we'll start with Bell. He's got two races in the Cup Series lifetime at Bristol. He obviously 
struggled on the dirt earlier. He was uh, a guy that people had pinpointed as someone that was going to really take over that race along with Larson, and both those guys wrecked each other. But um, as far as the regular Bristol track, he was here twice last year in the 95 car. His finishes were 28th in the fall, so last time we were on this track, and then 9th in the spring. So that was his first start in the Cup Series, and he finished top 10. So, hey, 50% ratio, I'm looking at it here. But the thing about it is, we talk about it all the time, Eric Jones coming out of the 20 car, all of those races in his career in the 20 car, his numbers at Bristol are pretty damn good. I mean, driver rating is 7th. And his average finish is seventh as well. So at night, Eric Jones is actually the best average finish, 8.0 at night in a 10-race span. So very interesting to see those numbers. We've talked about that throughout the season, and this is just another example of that. So do you combine the fact that Christopher Bell has proven he can get into the top 10 plus add that into the team itself and JGR being good here, I think that's very intriguing to the better here. I mean, just looking at it further, Eric Jones had two top fives at this racetrack last year. So uh, the team is hot, and Christopher Bell, right now, in this season, he's hot. He's coming off a third-place finish, and his green flag speed in 2021 on the 750 tracks is 11th. So that's what we're kind of looking for here is just the, the culmination of everything coming together. And uh, Christopher Bell at plus 100 seems like decent value for all of that. So lock me in here for the 20 car plus 100 in a top 10. Now I'm going to talk about a couple top 20s. And let's start with um, a guy who's, you know, we're giving up some odds here. He's minus 150, Daniel Suarez. So I mentioned earlier how... You know, the gambling gods are definitely at play here. I called out Chase because we saw his die cast on the, on the rack. Well, who was peeking out behind Chase? There was only two drivers, three Chase Elliott die casts, and one Daniel Suarez, 99 car, peeking out behind him. So I said to myself, all right, I got to see where Suarez is in the top 20 bets. Well, he's minus 150, so typically not, you know, the type of value we're looking for here, but looking at his stats... That's what gets my attention, all right? Eight races here lifetime. He has seven top 20s. Now, I know he's been in you know better quality rides over the course of his career, but last year in the 96 car, he had a 26th place finish, which ended a seven straight top 20 streak. And then he backed it up with an 18th place finish, so in the top 20 there. So he's in a better ride now. I mean, the track house ride has proven to be a quality ride compared to the the back markers that you know 96 was putting out there so i've got full confidence in daniel suarez that he can go out and, and put a top 20 together his average finish on this racetrack is 15.3 so that's well within 20th range and that's tied for 10th on the circuit so his top 10 pick, if you wanted to get really crazy, is plus 500. I mean, that's a moonshot. I don't think Suarez is going to be in the top 10. But, hey, maybe you get drunk a little bit on Saturday afternoon. College football's treating you well, and you throw a little bit more money down on the top 10 just for the hell of it. Um, that might kind of be how my afternoon goes, but we will see. So at least top 20 minus 150 Suarez. And did you see that paint scheme this week? I mean, the Coca-Cola paint scheme is just sick. So, got to love a good paint scheme under the lights 
Um, yeah, lock me in for Suarez, top 20. The last guy that I'm calling out is a guy that I can't remember talking about in this segment um, really for a while, and it's Ryan Priest. He's going off at plus 100 to finish in the top 20. Now, that is a bit of a stretch. I understand that. But let's talk about first his 2021 season more recently, right? Because in his last four races, last week he finished 25th. Okay, you know, that's that's a bit outside of what we're looking for here. But before that, he had a 12th place finish, a 4th place finish, and a 21st place finish. It's right around what we're looking for. He's, he's hovering and well within in some cases. This season he has 10 top 20 finishes. Now, there were a few of those that were super speedways and some road course finishes. So you kind of take them out of the equation. Looking at it closer, three of those top 20s have been on the 750 tracks. So that's a, a decent majority, especially when you take out the the super speedways and the road courses. I mean, basically, these tracks are, are what you're looking for here. He had a 12th at Darlington just two races ago to start the playoffs. So that's intriguing to me. And looking at Bristol, four races, lifetime, he has three straight top 20 finishes. You combine that with the fact that he needs a ride next year. He's going to be working his tail off, trying to find something. You'd have to imagine if you're Ryan Priest, you're setting yourself up for, you know, obtainable goals and a top 20 is an obtainable goal for him right now. So I understand it's a stretch. I understand it's a, you know, kind of a tough pill to swallow, but that's what we're trying to do here is find value. And plus 100 is some pretty good value. I mean, you look at last year, he finished eighth and 12th at Bristol in one year. And then night race, his average finish is even better, you know, when you're looking at just the night races. So um, lock me in. I think Priest is going to come alive a little bit. I mean, we talked about how these races get kind of squirrely, and you're going to see some of the, I mean, I don't want to hurt his feelings and call him a backmarker guy, but a, a guy that's not always running up front, you know, we're going to see some of those names in the top 10 and top 20. And Ryan Priest strikes me as a guy who can get that done. So plus 100, I'm comfortable with that value. I'm actually excited about that value and betting on someone different. So those are the the picks for, you know, finishing position. DraftKings, now I'm I've been told that other sports books have done things like this for a while now. Um, MGM and Caesars and, and things like that. I don't use those guys just yet. I'm kind of wading the waters here a little bit and I'm gonna or dip my toe in a little bit with some of those. But DraftKings, I'm excited because a lot of times on the Phil's Fired Up section over the past couple of years, I've been complaining for like more options, right? That's that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast was to try to talk to people and, and get the juices flowing around the gambling world. Well, finally, you know, DraftKings seems to be listening to people and they're offering a little bit more fun. Now, you can't make your own top 10 parlays like FanDuel allowed earlier this year. Uh, but they are starting to group them up and give me some pre-made stuff. So there are a bunch. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm going to call out a couple pre-made parlays that I'm actually kind of leaning on so far this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll include them in the Insta stories on Saturday morning. But a couple that stand out to me. I called out Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch that I really think that they have a shot to win the race. Well, you throw in Ross Chastain, who I'm going to talk about in the head-to-head -head section, and if all three of those guys finish in the top 10, you're getting a plus 650 payout. 
I'm very interested in that. It's very intriguing. You're going to hear, you heard my take on Chase and Kurt. You're going to hear my take on Ross Chastain in a bit. So plus 650 for those three, I'm feeling like that could be worth throwing a, a little bit of money down on. And then the other one, there's a bunch and some of them are trash, right? There's, there's a few that are just ridiculous. Uh, like for example, all four JGR drivers to finish in the top 10. That's ridiculous. I looked back and, and no team has had all of their drivers finish in the top 10 at Bristol. I, I searched the last five years. I didn't see anything. So that's a ridiculous thing. You're getting a like plus 1200 payout for all of those. But Penske, JGR, Hendrick, don't, you know, that's a very strange uh, occurrence if it were to happen. Um, so unless you're, you know, really confident in something, I would avoid those. But the other one that I did like was Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch to both finish top five. Now, we're going to talk about those guys specifically going head-to-head in the head-to-head section in just a minute. But those two guys are the top two favorites, according to the sports books. So if the race plays out as the books kind of predict, these guys will be up there. And plus 200, pretty good payout. So I think I would throw that on there, assuming you know that bet is basically saying I'm betting on the race kind of going as planned. No wild stuff's going to happen up front. Um, and uh, plus 200 worth it to me. Now, they do have some other things that they're calling a team prop section, which I think is fun. It's basically team versus team. And the way they structure it is, um, will Joe Gibbs Racing have more drivers in the top 10 than Hendrick Motorsports? Yes or no. But it's sometimes kind of confusing to phrase it like that, yes or no. So basically, Gibbs is minus 135 and Hendrick is plus 115. Who's going to have more drivers in the top 10? Minus 135 for Joe Gibbs kind of intrigues me. Um, You got Larson and Chase. I think those two, you know, are are definitely contenders to be top 10. Byron and Bowman, they've got a lot to prove. And, uh, you know, it's kind of makes me a little squeamish. Whereas all of the, the JGR drivers, really kind of stand out. I mean, you know, at least three of them. So I would take the minus 135 and see what happens. RCR versus Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, Let's see. Chip Ganassi is actually the favorite here, minus 120, compared to plus 100 for RCR. So, hey, that, you know, I didn't look into the details for all them, but I know that I really like Kurt. And uh, Ross Chastain is definitely someone who has my attention. So I think I could get behind minus 120 for CGR. And then it's Penske versus Stuart Haas, which is a fun bet because Penske only has three guys compared to four. But they are the heavy favorites, minus 165. I mean, three drivers versus four in their heavy favorites. But it makes a lot of sense when you actually break it down. Um, Stuart Haas racing, I mean, they might only have one guy in the top 10 compared to potentially uh, two or three for Penske. So um, fun bets, you know, I, I think I'm leaning with the the favorites. I, it's going to be hard for me to envision an upset in any of those team matchups. But um, yeah, let me know if you disagree with anything. If you have any hot takes on any of those underdogs, let me know why on uh, Instagram at full tank Phil. I gladly entertain that conversation because I'm always looking for a new angle. So let me know. So just to recap the finishing position bets, it's Christopher Bell, top 10, plus 100. Daniel Suarez, top 20, minus 150. And top 10, if you want a little extra, plus 500. And then Ryan Priest, plus 100, top 10. Lock it in. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. 
So let's get to the head-to-head section where we have been thriving this year. Uh, have not gone back to add up our tally for the season, but is definitely in the positive. That is 100% for sure. Definitely a lot better than last year, I can tell you that. Um, so we're trying to keep it rolling here with only a few races left to go. I want to keep this momentum going. This is, again, if you're new to this, where we pick a driver, all he has to do is finish ahead of one other guy that the sports books have created this matchup. We are choosing one or the other. And the first matchup, I kind of alluded to it, it's the Battle of the Kyles. Kyle Busch, minus 115 versus Kyle Larson. This is such an intriguing matchup because of just the way that these guys have had their seasons go thus far and their playoffs, really. Um, so the Battle of the Kyles, let's break it down. We're going to start with Kyle Larson because, I mean, he's just been the best driver this season. He is the championship favorite for a reason. His odds to win the championship are ridiculous, like plus 220 or something. Um, so obviously he would be a trendy pick. Looking at his stats at Bristol, eight races or within the last eight races, he has two top fives, five top tens. His average finish is 12.9. That's six compared to everyone in his driver rating in that same time frame is fourth, 100.7. But if you focus on some of the more recent races, like the last five races, like we've been doing on some of these other guys that we've been talking about, that time frame, his driver rating actually drops a little bit, 91.3. So that's an interesting thing. You know, more recently, he hasn't had it as well at Bristol. Then you have to talk about the fact that he didn't race here last year. His last race, not on the dirt, was in 2019. And in his 2019 season, he finished 6th and 19th. So, you know, it's been a while, really. Um, it has not been a while since he walked through the doors at Bristol. Obviously, they had the dirt race earlier this year where he was the heavy favorite and did not do very well. He wrecked out pretty early in that one, if I remember correctly. And I also remember kind of the dirt really didn't um, put on much of a show as far as dirt was concerned. I, I think we said, like, the guys who finished well, just typical Bristol guys, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. So, you know, if that's the case, you could say, well, you know, what happened to Larson here? Is he not really the guy? Uh, looking at Kyle Busch, he's our favorite this week, the money line favorite. And I don't remember a time recently this year that he has been the odds on favorite to win the race. So that must tell you something. And the reason for it is he's got great stats here. In the last 10 races, he has three wins, six top fives and six top tens. His average finish, though, 14.5 ninth. So that tells you he's kind of you know, checkers or wreckers, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to use that term multiple times, but um, in his last seven races, that's where you can really see the difference. I talked earlier about how the average finish numbers are so much higher here than they are on some of these other tracks we've been to recently, because his average finish in the last 10 is 14.5, to reiterate that again. But if you just focus in, you get rid of those three races from the distant pass and just focus on seven, his average finish jumps to 4.7. That is something that should not be overlooked. That's telling you like he has figured it out. His driver rating is first 106.8. And then if you look at the last four, it improves to 109.3. So you've got kind of one guy going one way in the last five and the other guy going the other way. Um, at night, his average finish is 14.1. You compare that to 15.7 for Kyle Larson. Bush 
has in the last five races a 4-1 head-to-head advantage. So I'm going to go with Kyle Busch here. I mean, when I saw that he was the favorite, I kind of wanted a way to bet on him, and this is how I'm going to do it. Um, you know, head-to-head, I'll throw a lot of money on this one, uh, minus 115 over Larson. It's a risky bet, honestly. Even though these stats, this is a sound, concise bet. But Kyle Larson has just been having such a hell of a year, and, and Bush really has not. I mean, he's kind of been up and down and, and has to rebound and claw and fight for everything that he gets. Um, so even though the stats are telling you Kyle Bush, there's always that risk here. But, hey, that's what gambling's all about. So minus 115, I'm going to go with Kyle and the 18 car over the championship favorite Kyle Larson. The next matchup is just so strange. This is such a weird matchup. It's Brad Kozlowski, minus 135. Heavy favorite in a head-to-head matchup. Um, You don't really see those odds, too. Plus 110, Martin Truex Jr. So in order for those odds to be set, the sports books have to be looking at something to say, this guy is way better than the other one. So that's what gets my attention right away. Um, And his overall stats, Brad Kislowski, we'll start with him. They are better than Truex. His career stats at Bristol, three wins, six top fives, seven top tens. That's in 22 starts. In his last 10 races, he has a win and two top fives, which are also the same as the two top tens. So, you know, I used checkers or records a second ago, but that's kind of how he's been because in his last 10 races, his average finish even though he's got that win, it's 20.9. And that's 23rd compared to everybody on the circuit going off on Saturday. Now, his driver rating tells a slightly different story, which is 11th, 83.0. He won the spring race last year. But if you remember how that race ended, he was kind of Johnny on the spot. Now, he was in the top five, but he was kind of Johnny on the spot when Logano and um, Chase got together. So, you know, is it... Not, no win is illegitimate, but you know he was there. He had himself in the right position. He kind of saw those guys getting together and, and took advantage of it. Good for him. Uh, but it's not like he went out and dominated the race. Now, he does lead a lot of laps. He, he's led laps in, I think, the last like six races here. So can't hold anything like that against him. But I've got serious concern for uh, for Brad rather with his focus. Shifting teams, I think, is, is playing a factor, even though he's trying to pretend that it's not. And when you look at his finishes, not even in the last 10, like in his full career, if he's not top three, he's really far back there, like in the 20s and 30s. So that's why it's kind of tough. You want somebody who's more consistent, but I can't help but feel like he's just kind of going through the motions right now, like in the moment. You know what I mean? So that's tough for me to kind of put my money down for this guy. He's starting 10th, so keep that in mind. Now we talk about Martin Truex Jr. This is what's really crazy to me. Right? So, first of all, he's coming off of a great win. Huge momentum. Starting on the pole. So, automatically, he's going to be you know 10 spots ahead of Brad. And the pressure is kind of off of him. So, that's intriguing. right? That's where you're looking at the odds, like plus 100. Why wouldn't I want that guy? It's very uh, confusing as to why these guys aren't a little bit more together. And um, this, to me, you know, the momentum and the the Pressure being off and the pole position, it's a recipe for his first career win at Bristol. Honestly, that's kind of what I was thinking. But when you get in a little bit deeper, um, his stats at Bristol are pretty dismal. I mean, one top 10 in the last 10 races. His average finish is 20.2. 
A little bit ahead of Brad, actually. He's 19th compared to everyone, so slightly better. His driver rating is 10th. Again, slightly better than Brad. So, again, it goes back to why are the odds so skewed? And he has improved on short tracks overall. I mean, he owns Martinsville now. Richmond, obviously, coming off a win. Bristol, another short track. He maybe is going to show that he's figured it out here. I mean, I would want to take advantage of that if that is the case. The, the thing that is just tough for me to wrap my head around is, why would I give up minus 135 for Brad when Truex has him beat in average finish and driver rating? And, you know, looking at this season, he clearly has more momentum. Now, head-to-head at Bristol in the last seven, Brad has a 4-3 advantage. This season, in the last 10 races, Martin Truex has a... 6-4 lead, but a 3-0 head-to-head matchup in the last three races. So, to me, plus 100 is intriguing here. I mean, it's just too close to call, but yet the sports books have it all out of whack. So, I'm going to try to take advantage of the underdog here, try to take advantage of the value, plus 100, Martin Truex Jr. It's actually plus 110. I think I misspoke a second ago. Plus 110, even better. So, because I can't make heads or tails of why they're so separated in the books, uh, Lock me in for the 19 car to win us some more money this week versus Kozlowski. Now, the last one that we're going to talk about is Eric Almarola, minus 115 against Ross Chastain, minus 105. This is a matchup of a playoff driver fighting for his life versus a non-playoff driver just cruising around, happy as a clam on a Saturday night. Um, Eric Almarola, we're going to start with him because he's potentially in a little bit of trouble here, plus three to the good going into Bristol. And he's got guys all around him. He's surrounded by the Bush brothers who are very, very good at this racetrack. And even some of the guys below him on the cut line uh, should scare him. I mean, plus three is nothing at this track. He could be cruising with 10 laps to go and then shit hits the fan and he's out of the race, finishes nine laps down and misses the playoffs. So, or the next round. But let's give him the time of day here in his last 10 races. One top five, two top tens. He finished fifth last year in this race. His average finish is not good at all. It's actually something you'd kind of put your nose up at. 24.4. It's good enough for 28th compared to everyone else. And his driver rating does not tell a different story. 19th compared to everyone. It's 69.9. Now, more recently, in the last five races, it improved to 73.3, but that's not even that good of a jump. Um, so he's starting 12th. So he needs to get going and avoid the issues this weekend. This is a very scary race for the 10 team. Very scary situation to be in. He has no top 10s this season in 2021 since he won at Loudoun. So you would have thought, you know, win the race, all sorts of positive momentum. He does not have a top 10 since then. And that shocked me because I thought, you know, he's kind of been up there. And maybe he has, but he's just not getting the finishes that you would want to see if you were on that 10 team or you're a fan of Almarola. So all of that kind of scares me. Now that leads me into Ross Chastain because I'm clearly, if you can't tell from my um, bias here, I'm, I'm in on Chastain this week. Um, he has no pressure and he has been taking advantage of that no pressure. I mean, you, you look back, it seems like when he signed with Trackhouse to drive the one car officially, it was like a huge weight off his shoulders. He knew where he was going next year, and he's just been racing. He's always up there. He's in the mix. Back-to-back top tens in the last two races. He has a third and a seventh last week at Richmond. 
And that's in the playoffs. Like, this is where guys are performing at their highest. And you see Ross Chastain up there. Uh, if I'll tell you this. I mentioned last week on the podcast where Denny and Larson got together in the final turn. I thought to myself, who's in third place? It was Chastain. Like, if those guys really wrecked, Chastain would have won the race. He just is someone that you need to take advantage of here. Now, at Bristol, his last race was in 2019 because, you know, he, he did not have a car in 2020. And so he was driving the 15 car in four career starts in the Cup Series. The 15 car, as we all know, is garbage. His average finish is 30.0. So we talked about Amarola having a rough average finish. Well, look at Ross Chastain. But, but not so fast, my friend, just like Lee Corso, my guy. This is an interesting stat. In the four races that Ross Chastain has been on the track at Bristol, Head-to-head versus Amarola, Chastain is actually a 3-1 leader in their head-to-head series. So what that tells you is his bad finishes are still better than Eric Amarola's bad finishes. That is just crazy. And then we look at green flag speed. The tracks that we've been at recently since Nashville, we've got Amarola getting slower, his average green flag speed, and we've got Ross Chastain getting faster. So that is something that, you know, he's just figured it out. Like something's going on. We got to just say to ourselves, hey, why are we overlooking this Ross Chastain fellow, the watermelon man? Let's lock him in. Minus 105 for Chastain. So I've gone with a couple underdogs here. Um, recapping all of these picks, Kyle Busch minus 115. Then it's Truex plus 100 and Chastain minus 105, another underdog kind of taking advantage of the fact that I'm expecting this race to get a little weird and the sports books, you know, sometimes take it on the chin when that happens. So I'm looking to be there to take advantage of it. So lock me in for those guys. Those are the head to head matchups this week. So this week in the Phil's Fired Up section, I've got just a bunch of different things that I am excited to, to just rip off and talk about here. And first, going to talk about championship odds. This is merely just a reminder that this is a cutoff race in the playoffs, which means you have the ability to potentially take advantage of some of the odds that are skewed towards some of the guys who are not looking great in the eyes of the playoff picture. Um, So just a heads up. I mean, I'm not going to call anyone out here um, specifically that I'm going to bet on, but just throwing it out there. I mean, you got Alex Bowman and and William Byron, both below the cut line. Their odds right now to win the championship are 2,500 for Bowman. William Byron is plus 3,000. Those picks, I mean, earlier in the year, Byron was looking pretty damn good. Um, I got him at a a much shorter number than that. So way back midsummer. So uh, this is an opportunity to try to throw some tiny bit of cash down to see if they do squeak in, you know, things kind of reset and, and they're back in the ball game there. We made a lot of money with Chase Elliott going into Martinsville like that. So I just want to call out that friendly reminder. You know what I mean? Peruse the, the odds for the championship heading into the race and see if you, you like anything because after this race is over, they might shift quite a bit. Um, so give that a look. Now, we we'll want to get into kind of the news of the day, and that is the schedule for NASCAR in 2022. 
So obviously we got a brand new car that we're going to be working with and now a new schedule. And there are some changes, some that you consider major. Um, let's start with just the, I guess, most ridiculous change. And that's the clash. They announced that that's going to be run at the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum where USC plays football and uh, they hosted Super Bowls and the Olympics. They've been jocking that on social media, and now it's going to be a NASCAR track. Um, very, you know, gimmicky. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not going to watch it. I mean, I definitely am. I need to see this unfold. The thing that kind of grinds my gears a little bit, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it in this part was... For years now, it just seems like they're always preaching about how they want to save the team's money. And then we're going to send all of these race teams out to Los Angeles to race an exhibition race weeks before the season start and come back to Florida and Daytona to start up the year with the duels and then the 500. Um, it just doesn't make sense, like fiscally. I just don't understand why, on one hand, we're trying to you know, get the sport more financially stable and help out these teams in that aspect. But then we're going to do this. I mean, it's a very blatant gimmick move, which, hey, you know, if it puts more eyeballs on the sport, maybe that's what they're looking for in the long run. So it's more of a long run play for the money. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's strange right now. You know, that's, I think, a, a fair statement. Right now, in this moment, it's kind of a strange thing to do. If it works out long term and they get all sorts of play based on maybe it's going to be an awesome race, I, you know, we'll see. But it's going to be a very short track and uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Um, like I said, I'm going to watch it for sure. But, you know, that, that travel aspect is what really makes me scratch my head. Um, so then looking at the schedule, they're going from Daytona right back out to the West Coast Swing. They haven't done this from Daytona in a, a couple years, uh, but now Auto Club is back on the schedule. I think this is the last year they're going to run at the two-mile track. They are working to put a short track together there for 2023, if my memory serves me correctly. They do not call that out as a short track um, in any of these marketing slips for the 2022 season, so I'm assuming that it is the old auto club, but it's back on the schedule. You got the, the West Coast swing there. Again, talking about travel, I don't know why you wouldn't throw Sonoma into that, but who am I? <laughs> you know, um, Coda is back on the calendar, and uh, Bristol Dirt back on the calendar, kind of as expected. Uh, another one that was, you know, kind of up in the air, but I believe it's Indianapolis road course back on the schedule. So, yeah, they're sticking with this road course love, which I think a lot of people have enjoyed. Now, the other big event with this release was the fact that Pocono, my, my beloved Pocono, they lost a race. Yeah, they, they squeezed them into one weekend with the doubleheader, which I thought worked great. I really did. I mean, I know I'm biased because I live closer to Pocono than any other track, um, but I thought that really was a cool gimmick. And, you know, obviously NASCAR feels a little bit differently. They're trying to give somebody else a, a look here. So they take a race away. It was, you know, if you're going back to where the schedule used to be um, separate weekends for Pocono, they're taking away the June race from Pocono and giving it to Gateway in Illinois, Worldwide Technology Raceway, which, hey, I've always loved watching the trucks at Gateway. Loved them. So 
I can't complain that we're getting a new track to take a look at for Cup. Um, obviously, I'm interested in that. It just kind of sucks if you're a fan of Pocono that that is the case. Um, Road America, again, to just kind of scanning through this here, another road course back on the track. So they haven't really messed with anything in terms of the road courses. Um, the playoffs look a little bit different. Richmond, I don't know if this is a reaction to uh, Richmond kind of not putting out good races, but they are not in the playoffs anymore. They are before the playoffs. The last three races leading into the playoffs are now Richmond, Watkins Glen, and then Daytona. So you still have Daytona as the cutoff, which I think is working well for them. But I, I think it's intriguing that Richmond is uh, getting yanked out of the playoffs. Kansas will be part of the first round of the playoffs instead of later on. So it's going to be Darlington, Kansas, Bristol, this round that we're in right now. Um, and then Texas moving up in the schedule to be part of the Talladega and Roval round of 12, which is quite an eclectic round. You've got Texas, one of the most boring racetracks in the circuit, then Talladega, one of the most exciting, and then the Roval. Anything can happen. So very interesting there. And then the, to crown our, our final four, you've got Vegas, Homestead, Miami, which used to be the championship race, and then Martinsville, the last race to get us to the round of four, and Phoenix will close it out like it has been. So um, very interesting how they kind of shook up the, the playoff structure and the racing there. Um, big reveal here. I mean, a lot of people were excited about it. Some of this news kind of came down trickling out, and I think that maybe forced NASCAR's hand to release the schedule a little bit earlier than they may have wanted to. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the breakdown. I think next year, 2023, the schedule there is going to be um, a little bit more different. So I'm not, you know, upset about anything. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this stuff plays out. And to me, you know, the schedule, it's not anything to get mad about, really, uh, if you're a fan. It's really just uh, as a gambler. You know, you want to try to assess the situation. Are there any tracks that we're going to have to learn a lot about? Gateway is going to be one of those tracks. Bristol Dirt going to be another crapshoot, just like last year. But for the most part, now we've got data on some of these road courses. So that'll help us next year. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll attack it week by week, just like we always do. Now, I talked about how Gateway gave us some good truck races. Well, we are back in the truck series this week thursday night is kicking off this bristol triple header and i cannot be more pumped about it so hopefully you're listening to this before thursday um, i know that it's a, a quick turnaround for you to do that but just took a chance to look over some of the head-to-head matchups that are out there right now for the truck series so if you're listening to this before the race goes off then uh, get on board with these with me. And if you're listening to this after, you can say, man, what a what an awesome job he did or, or what a moron he is with these picks. Um, but I didn't spend crazy amount of time on it, just looking at it, more of like the eyeball check. Does it pan out? Does it make sense? And uh, see what we end up with here. So looking at the first matchup here, first of all, Sheldon Creed won two straight matchups here in this round of the playoffs. Unbelievable. Do I think he's going to do a third? No, I don't. He's going head-to-head against John Hunter Nemechek, who I think it's time for him to come alive here in these playoffs if he's going to cash in on this hell of a season. And so these two are going head-to-head against each other. Creed, two races at Bristol. He's got a 6th and an 11th place finish. So pretty much what you would want, really, in the playoff round. If you're finishing right around that same area, that's pretty good. John Hunter Nemechek, six starts at Bristol. He's got five top tens and three 
third place finishes. So I can't imagine Creed going three straight. So that means he's going to be, you know, further back. Um, I need the the consistency here that we're getting with John Hunter being in top 10 and a lot of times top three. I mean, I think John Hunter should go out and win this race. So if that happens, great. We cash in on this head to head. But I, I think that he's going to have the advantage here in this matchup regardless uh, because there's some off the track stuff. Sheldon Creed signing a deal with RCR to run Xfinity next year full time. So a little bit of distraction right now. He's already in the next round. He's doing well in the playoffs. He can maybe take the foot off his gas. I'm, I'm really looking to see how Sheldon um, handles this race because of all that stuff. So looking to maybe cash in on John Hunter, finishing ahead of him here because of all that stuff. So that's my first head-to-head pick there. Um, next up, we got Chandler Smith and Grant Enfinger going up against each other here. And this is an interesting one because we've got a, a guy who's below the cut line in the playoffs versus a guy who just isn't part of anything. He's just running the race for a paycheck. Uh, Grant Infanger, four starts, all of them top 10 finishes. His average finish is 6.3. That is very, very good. And clearly why he's running this race. He wants to cash in on a you know good paycheck here at Bristol. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that if you've got those types of numbers? Chandler Smith, two starts at Bristol. He's got a second and a fifth. So even though it's a short sample size, a lot of these truck drivers don't have huge sample sizes. Um, so that's actually the best average finish in the field on Thursday night. So with Smith being below the cut line, this is a big opportunity for him. He's minus 12. He's going to need to make up some ground here. And I think he's looking at this like, yeah, I know what I'm doing at this racetrack. I mean, there might be some tracks that I've struggled at, but I am a guy who can steal one. I only need to finish ahead of two other guys in the standings, truck series, Playoffs a little bit different. You know, this is going from 10 drivers down to eight. And both Smiths are below the cut line. Minus 12, he might need to go out and win the race. You know, you never really know what's going to happen here. So, Endfinger not being in the playoff push, I think, is going to work against him in this head-to-head matchup. I like Chandler Smith kind of going all in here at Bristol. So, lock me in for Chandler Smith in this head-to-head matchup. The last one is the one I feel most confident in. And that's probably bad news. I don't know. But it's Matt Crafton versus Sam Mayer. All right. This is a veteran, absolute staple in the truck series versus a part-time driver. And the reason this is even a matchup is because Mayer has two starts. One of them is an 18th place finish and the other one is a win. I mean, that's why he's even in this picture. Because of that victory, they're putting him in this head-to-head matchup. Crafton, on the other hand, has, you know, in his last 10 races, eight top 10 finishes and four straight. He's in the playoff picture. He's a playoff guy. He's looking to, you know, point his way into the next round nice and safe and sound. And that consistency of those top 10 finishes is what I'm looking for. He's got more experience. That win, I'm calling it a fluke until it proves me otherwise. Um, I think the consistency is the key part of this matchup here. I really think that that's what I'm hanging my hat on. Um, You've got veteran guy who's proved it. You've got a part-time driver who maybe have, you know, kind of fell into a win. I'm going with the veteran guy. Give me that 88 car, that shiny yellow truck, Matt Crafton getting it done against Sam Mayer. So John Hunter, Chandler Smith, Matt Crafton. Those are my three guys for the truck series. Some bonus picks here in the Phil's fired up section. And uh, we'll see what happens Thursday night at Bristol. 
Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on Instagram at Full Tank Phil. Put any more bets out there in the Insta stories as the week unfolds. Get your bets in early and often and get ready for that great race Saturday night at Bristol. And then we'll see you next week. See who made it into the round of 12 as we get ready for Vegas. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go. Hell, no place to go.